0: I have so look forward to sharing what I'm going to share with you this week. And I'm telling you, and I'm going to ask you to stay with us. Some of the things at the beginning you won't understand, all right? But just stay with it. Tell your neighbor, stay with it. Yeah, come for the whole week because we're going to build line upon line. I just want to make an announcement right now that on Friday we're going to be praying for families. As you know, we do that during this time. And uh, I'd love for you to start lobbying your family's comrades. Bribe them. I mean, just do anything to get them here on Friday, all right? Promise to buy them a new suit or a new dress or the latest cell phone. Just do anything. Or tell them if they don't come, they're going to go to hell. Just, Just do something. I mean, just do anything to get them here, all right? So on Friday, and you'll understand, on Friday, I'm going to talk about families that make covenant with God, and I'm going to pray for your families, and I'm going to share something. So so this whole week, uh, we're going to talk about the blood covenant, and it's going to open up your mind and your heart to God's word like nothing else will. I've been really studying for months now, many months. I've spent hours and hours and hours and hours trying to find a way to bring this in a way that you not only understand, but you can apply in your life. Amen. Amen. So my, my prayer really is that God would really open your eyes of the understanding. Now, the blood covenant is one of the oldest known covenant practices in the human family. It's amazing when you study this and you'll see as we go along, all cultures of the world, this is what research is showing us, all nations of the world, all ethnicities of the world participated in the ritual of blood covenant. As far back as you can go, in mankind, as far back as people like Abram, even before he met God, in his nation, they practiced the blood covenant. On the continent of Africa, there are still nations that are practicing that blood covenant to date. And so, you see traces of blood covenant practices, even in things that we do now in modern day society. Most of you may not know that the handshake comes from the practice of blood covenant. And we shake hands today and people write, they write a covenant. And after writing a contract, then they shake hands. And all of that is traces of blood covenants. The tattoos that some of you have. How many of you are sitting next to somebody with a tattoo? No, 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 don't try to check it. Some of them are not in a holy place. Please don't don't go there. But the tattoos that people have, they don't know where it comes from. Or some of you try to really be modern or whatever you want to do. You do this white wedding and, and then you, you, you take the bride and you carry them over the threshold. That comes from blood covenant. And I'm going to show you how all those practices, somehow God in his wisdom redeemed those practices bring men near to him so that he can teach men who he is because when mankind met God they didn't know if they can trust God and the only way for God to gain their trust was to make a blood covenant in terms of what they knew it to be and then they could trust God so somehow God is able to redeem culture and is able to take what we know as a practice and use it as a starting point to take us to what we don't know. I don't know how many of you know this, that when Paul was trying to teach people in his day who were very aware of the Roman culture and some of the other cultures of the time, and in him trying to explain what the love of God is, he went for a word that was used in that culture. Because in the culture of the time, they had different words to designate love. You had the word for uh, eros, erotic love, that's sexual love. You had the word uh, 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 stegen or storge, which is like a, a, a friendly kind of love. Then you have the, the, the word or phileo. phileo means to like. Now, unfortunately, when, when we speak in English, you know, you say, I love my dog, I love my cat, I love my wife. The truth is this, those loves are not the same. Because you don't love your dog the same way you love your wife. Unless some of you, I don't know, some of you, but you don't, you don't love your car the same way. And then when you say to your friend, I love you, it's not the same way as the way you love your car. So they had different words for love. Phileo is to like. Stoge, which is a friendly kind of love. Eros is sexual kind of love. That's where we get the word erotic. All right. But then they they believed that there's another love that can only be possessed by by deities, by gods. It was not possible for human beings to love like that because all the other three kinds of love are based on emotion and feeling. And these other three kinds of love are, are very... Uh, 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 what's the term? They, they, they can end. And they are based on uh, temporal things. They, they can be more, they can be less, they can be withdrawn, they're not consistent. People can take it away, it comes back sometimes, whatever. But they believe that there should be a love that human beings don't have the capacity to have. Only God can have that love. So, Paul, in trying to teach people about the love of God, he went for the word agape, which was not a Christian word, but it was a pagan word. So somehow God is able to go into something that might not necessarily be, you know, what he does and and use it to explain. But then that same love of agape, then Paul then makes even a more shocking statement in Romans 5 when he says that same love has been shed abroad in our hearts so that we can love like God can love. Oh. So I'm trying to show you that this blood covenant. I'm going to show you story after story after story after story of how God has really gone back into culture and from culture brought back these truths and, and try to use what people know so that he can reveal himself to them so that people can trust him. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you are still here. <laughs> okay, now, I want you to go with me now, having said that, to Genesis chapter 15. All right? I'm going to read from verse 1. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. All right, now, we will come back to Genesis 15 later on, but I want to read it today as a starting point. Okay. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Let me read for you. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now, underline the word Abram. Now, I was are the I underline. I said, highlight it <laughs> a and get something that you can write in. I want you to study as kids with the front row, you are not underlining. You are not doing anything. Just underline. Yes, I see. You are not underlining. Are you underlining? In the book. What a nice Bible. I like your Bible. I say underline in the Bible, not in the book. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Note. And, and we'll go back, around to that story. But let me read it for you. Do not be afraid, Abram. Now, Mamelang, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Now, let me just Put it to you now that that is covenant language. All right? You'll understand it later. All right? That's covenant language. What he just said. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. That's covenant talk. We'll come back to that. Then he says, Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? So even the way Abraham responds, you know, his response is based on what God has just said. Are you here? Yeah. All right. all right, all right. He says, "Long gone, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham says, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Now note, verse 5. Then he brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven, count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. Now note verse 6. He believed in the Lord and it counted to him for righteousness. Now, watch this now. Then God says to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. Now watch verse 8. And Abraham says to God, How shall I know? How will I know? Right? Now listen to what God says. Then, then it says verse 9. God says, bring me a three year old Haifa and a three year old female goat and a three year old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So now, Mamela, God is, you know, so, so if you don't know, understand covenant talk, you can't understand. The guy says, How will I know? Are you kisa? It's like God is not answering him. But God is answering him. He says, How shall I know? Let me decode it for you. God says, I'll tell you how you'll know I'm gonna make a blood covenant with you. Shem some of you sons a little latlielait. Shemba Nababatu. Look at your neighbors say, Shemanababatu, the whole latlienka thing. Um fela Now, now note when people entered into covenant. They would always slaughter an animal. Right? Now, watch now. I want you to see the two verses, verse 9 and verse 10. All God told Abraham is to bring an animal or animals. But then Abraham does something more in verse 10. It says then, Abraham brought all this to him. Watch. Cut them into two. Down the middle, place each piece opposite the other, but he didn't cut the beds. So, what's, what's Abraham doing? Abraham is understanding God is saying we're making a blood covenant. So, Abraham knows what is done when you do a blood covenant, which I'm going to show you in a short while. So, if you read this without understanding the blood covenant, you can't appreciate what Abraham is doing. Did you know something? Let me throw this in now. It wasn't hard for Abraham to sacrifice his child when God asked him? Because when you made a blood covenant with somebody, in certain cultures, you were to give them your child to sacrifice. So for Abraham, it wasn't as hard as you thought it is. Okay, So Abraham, God says, God says, God says to him, I love it, in, in, in verse 7, God says, uh, 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 says you will inherit the land. Abraham says, how will I know? God says, bring me some animals to make covenant. That's all God says. He says, just bring some animals to make covenant. So Abraham doesn't just bring the animals. He comes them. He puts the pieces next to each other. Now, I'm not going to read further, but you can read it at home. He puts the pieces there. And God begins to walk between the pieces in making the covenant. Now let me say it now, I'm going to say it again One of the things they did When they made a covenant Is to put the pieces of the animal And first of all they split it right in the middle They are saying They are saying They are saying by splitting it in the middle This will be done to you if you don't keep this covenant Yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. May this be done to you If you don't keep that covenant Split it in the middle and then they put the pieces opposite one another. One here, one here. And both covenant partners walk between the pieces in the shape of an eight. Now, if you take an eight and put it sideways, it's the, it's the symbol of infinity. That's a sign that this covenant is forever. It's not going to end. Go read it. You, you read it. That's what, hap- that's what happened there. That's what happened there. That's what happened. Now, now watch this person. Here's the benefit of understanding the practice of blood covenant. Number one, it will help you to understand the interconnectedness of the Bible. You're going to see this week how you can draw a line from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. All right? Why? Because the Bible is a progressive revelation. Very important. So when you understand blood covenant, you will see how interconnected the Bible is. Number two, you will know that... What's this now? The Bible is like a jigsaw puzzle. In the New Testament, there are things that are mentioned, but they are not explained to us. So there are statements that are made in the New Testament, but you are not explained to how to do that. For instance, in the New Testament, they tell you to worship God. But they don't explain how. Except for lifting up holy hands. But that's about all they tell you to tithe, but they don't tell you how. When you go to the Old Testament, the Old Testament goes into a lot of detail. So, Now, some of you are younger, but in our time, we used to do jigsaw puzzles. So they buy you this jigsaw puzzle. It comes in a box. It's pieces there of this jigsaw puzzle. And on the box, there's a picture. Now watch. If you wanted to, to be able to put the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together, you've got to put the picture here and the pieces here. So you look at the picture, you take the pieces, you put it here, you look at the picture, you search for the piece. If you have the picture, you can put the puzzle together. If you don't have the picture. Because you can't, you can't put this together. Now here's where our mistake is in churches like ours. In the New Testament, we have the puzzles in our hands. So in the New Testament, the word covenant is used. But the strength of it, how it was made, we don't know. We don't know. In the New Testament, Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. With you reading, me reading, we don't understand that the pieces, the picture is in the Old Testament. So... As you study the blood covenant, this is one of the things that's going to happen to you from now on. As you'll see it now. You'll begin to see how the Old Testament and the New Testament are connecting. And it's unfortunate that we are using old and new. So it gives people an impression that when the new comes, the old goes. You see, that's the way we think. Ah. What we should really do, it should, we, should say, we should say it is the Hebrew Bible. If you say it that way it means it's a continuous revelation meaning this. All the doctrines and all the teachings and all the practices of the Bible have their roots in the Old Testament. I've been studying now the book of, 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 of Samuel. You know? And one of the things I note about the giving of offerings, God doesn't want you to disrespect offerings. That's, that's the one thing I'm learning. That's the one thing I'm learning. Now we don't know that in the New Testament. And and if 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 an, if if an offering is given to God, you can't use it for something else. You 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 bring you bring a curse on yourself. So because we don't read the old, we, we do stuff ka offering. So we don't we don't understand what we are doing because we don't have the picture of the of the So so and the third thing that's going to help you is that then you you'll begin to understand the language. Of the Bible and certain expressions, just like I've shown you in Genesis 15. God says to Abraham, bring me a heifer." Then Abraham doesn't just bring, he cuts it. Now you understand the language. When Jesus said to the disciples, this is the New Testament in my blood, they understood what you are saying. We don't understand. We don't understand. So you'll start to understand and I'm going to, tomorrow and Wednesday, I'm going to take you through scriptures. Just to show you this thing. Oh, 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 can oh. You, can you tell somebody? Oh. Alright. <laughs> no, not sweet <with> sweet. Oh. <laughs> not that kind of oh. Number four. Watch this, Basalong. A revelation of the blood covenant will help you understand, number one, the sacredness of covenant. You'll understand how serious God is when it comes to covenant. Covenant is sacred. Therefore, you are not to enter into covenant in, in, in a way you didn't think about it. Any form of covenant. When they made covenant in these days, you wanted to make sure you enter into covenant with a worthy person, a person of substance. You don't just want to get into covenant with Noma One, Nova, it's permanent. Your lives become one with that person. So you wanted to check the guy out. You wanted to be sure. As a matter of fact, you really did it to move your life forward. If you are poor, you look for somebody who's rich. No, 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 no. I'm not advising anybody about marriage. If you are a king that had a weak army, you look for a king who has a, a strong army. If you were great farmers and terrible builders, you look for somebody who had great builders, so you both benefited. So you understand how sacred a covenant is. Number two, you'll understand the permanence of covenant. When you made a blood covenant, you were not only making it for you, you were even making it for the children who were in your loins. Then you'll understand when you make certain decisions. See, it's a bet. Many people don't understand what they're doing. Because already you are tying your unborn children to certain forces. In other words, they are, their life is already sealed even before they're born. Oh yeah. But you see, the opposite is true. If you tie yourself to the things that are good, already they are tied to that. So you understand, in the Old Testament and in, even in the blood covenant, when you made a blood covenant, like I said, when they split the animal, they, were, they bent it. They said, if you break it, this is what we're going to do to you. They would hunt you down and kill you. To the third generation, even your own family would kill you if you broke covenant with somebody. This is why you'll note, and we'll come to it later, when it came to Saul and his son Jonathan, Because Jonathan had made a blood covenant with David. He made sure when his father wanted to kill him, he went to tell David, even at the risk of his life. Because with blood covenant, you you lay your life down for your covenant partner. But then if you understand that, you'll understand the extent to which God goes to lay his life down for you. You'll understand so I said a revelation of the blood covenant will help you understand the sacredness of the covenant, the permanence of the covenant. It will also help you to understand how God is a covenant making God and a covenant keeping God. But Zalana, your faith level will never be the same again. Because you realize God makes covenant and he keeps covenant then you understand the basis for which God does things for me is not my emotions or my looks, it's covenant. That's covenant. That's covenant. That's why, that's why, when God wanted to kill the children of Israel, and he was very angry, right? What does Moses do? Moses said, you you said you are bringing them into the land. What will the people say now, how will I? Now, you don't talk to God like that when he's in a good mood. But imagine when he is in a bad mood. Moses says, oh, you can't do that. And then he says, and God repented. Why? One thing God can do is to break his covenant. He can't do that. Can't do that. It will help you to know how to pray what we call the prayer of entity. It's the prayer where you ask and destiny gets changed because you pushed on the covenant. <laughs> Is this too difficult for some of you? Look at your neighbor and
1: say,
0: <laughs> Tell them, eh? Number five, it will strengthen your faith. As you understand, watch this now? That the word of God is simply a covenant God made with mankind. You begin to understand that. Now, let's go to the word covenant. Now, the first time the the word covenant appears in the Bible is in Genesis 6. All right? It's in Genesis 6. I said the word covenant when it's used. The first time... It's used in the Bible. It's in Genesis 6. Now, the practice of covenant was used before that. But the first time that word covenant is used is in Genesis 6. Am I too deep for you tonight? I want you to get this, Basalan. I don't want to. I want you to get this. It will change your life. It will change your life. It will change your life. So, in Genesis 6, verse 18, God is speaking to Noah. This is important. God is about to send the flood, and He tells Noah to build the ark. All right? very carefully,, and I want you to see all these truths are so important. And God says to Noah, "I will establish my covenant with you. Wash, and you shall go into the ark." You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. God's covenant, God has always been family conscious. Any covenant God makes affects the family. So Noah goes into the ark. As long as he's in the ark, he's not affected by everything that's affecting everybody. Even when the wind is fierce and the weather is terrible, but he's in the ark, the ark is a a type or a picture of Jesus, our ark. Mamela, Noah is in the ark. We are in Christ. He went into the ark because of the covenant. We are in Christ because of the covenant. Now, here's what I find interesting. Now, listen to this the word covenant, very interesting. That word covenant, when God makes covenant, Covenant is about, write this down, God protecting, God saving, and God redeeming his people. That's what he does in covenant. In covenant, God protects, God saves, redeems people, and redeems people to himself. Now, the word covenant in Hebrew is spelled B-R-I-Y-T-H. B E R I Y T H. is pronounced BERITH. The word BERITH, literally, that word covenant is the word BERITH. BERITH. The word BERITH literally means a cutting that causes blood to flow. So the actual word itself, talks about blood flowing that word beret also means a compact why a compact because a compact was made by passing between two pieces of flesh like niribuamo you make a compact so the word in its origin in its definition that's really what it means covenant a cutting that causes blood to flow a compact by passing between pieces of flesh. It also has other meanings. Confederacy, confedera, covenant, or league, which are not what we're looking at tonight. But when a covenant is made, blood will flow. Now, Mama Zolan, blood in the Bible doesn't symbolize death. Blood symbolizes life why because what makes every organ in your body alive is that the blood feeds it with nutrients so blood is the source of life so that's why it says the life of the source in the flesh in fact Usually, you know that it's the blood that really protects us from diseases. What color of corpuscles? White blood corpuscles. And that's why cancer is such a problem because it confuses the blood. Instead of the blood doing what it's supposed to do, the blood starts fighting against itself and against you. That's why sometimes certain diseases like when people have leukemia. When people go for leukemia treatment, they drain their blood and put in new blood. Because the the, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So really the blood works so well and so important for your body. Mara, here's the thing. The blood as well Drains all the debris from your body. And if an animal is sick, the sickness goes into the blood. that's why God doesn't let us eat the blood of animals. I. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say. Now I i straight. So blood is important. is the symbol of love. So when it came to blood covenants, blood was required. They literally used blood to make a covenant. Now, can we close the service right here? Now, <laughs> now let, let, let me show you how the ritual of the blood covenant was made. Nine things. Nine things. All right. These rituals, these nine things are in no particular order. Okay. Well, the first thing that people did when they made blood covenants was to take off their coat and give it to you. Now, a person's coat or mental mental is, is a is a garment. A person's coat in the Hebrew culture represents the person. So by taking off my robe and giving it to you, I'm symbolically saying. I am giving you all of myself. You remember the prodigal son when he came back home? What did his father do? He says, take off your coat, give him your coat. So it's an exchange of coats. Jonathan and David, they exchanged coats. But it's amazing that the coat of Elisha of Elijah, fell on Elisha. And in the spirit, if I may tell you, that's exactly how the anointing feels. I remember when I was prayed for, on the 4th of September, 1983, a coat came on me. Yeah. The Bible calls it a mantle. So when somebody gave you the coat, they are saying, I'm giving you all of myself, my total being, my life, I pledge to you. So you would exchange coats, the first thing that would happen. The second thing that would happen is you take off your belt. (laughs) Now, in these days, particularly with the men's, The belt was meant to hold the armor together. So the belt wasn't to hold your jeans together. (laughs) But to hold your armor together. So, in giving you my belt, and in you giving me your belt, symbolically, I'm saying to you, I am giving you all my strength. And, I am pledging to you all my support and all my protection. In other words, as I'm giving you my belt, I'm saying, here is my strength. Here is all my ability to fight. I'm saying, if anybody attacks you, I won't even have to ask, what wrong did you commit? What wrong did you commit? Very interesting. Very interesting. When God spoke to Abraham there in Genesis 15, this was the expression. He says, I am your... There you go. Abraham understood immediately. Oh, we're cutting a covenant here. God is giving me his belt. I am your shield and your buckler. <laughs> That's why Abraham could trust him. And then he says, Bring a goat. So God says, Abraham says, Yeah, now we're making a blood card. See, if you if you don't if you don't know this, you when you put a kiss vigo. But it's covenant talk. So you are saying. I will fight for you. I will defend you and I'll protect you. You remember God speaking to Abraham and says, your enemies will be what? Yeah, why? Why? We made covenant. He says, whoever kisses you can direct. If your enemies come out in one way against you, then you And isn't it amazing that the same God has made covenant with you also? So you really don't understand your God if you have to have some added protection. Then you don't understand how safe you are. Number three. The next step then was to cut the covenant by taking an animal and splitting it right down the middle. After the animal is split, watch this, pardon. They lay each half to the side of the people who are standing there. And both people walk between the two bloody halves. But they start, first of all, So here's the one piece and one piece. We stand in the middle with our backs to one another. And we start walking. The other one goes that way. And we walk and we walk in the sign of an eight. That's what they would do. And finally, when they come back, they come back to face each other. Now, in doing that, they are saying two things. First, they are saying we are dying to ourselves. In other words, I'm giving up my right to my own life. I am beginning a new walk with my covenant partner unto death. Are you here, Barcelona? The second thing they're saying, since the blood covenant is the most solemn pact, We each point down to the bloody animal that is there. And the two of us, as we walk, we say, God do to me and more if I ever try to break this covenant. We are saying, just split me right down the middle and feed me to the vultures because I try to break the most sacred of all compacts. So the Bible says, God is not a man to lie. God can lie. The fourth thing they would do. Are you you following me now? Are you alive now? Are you better now? The fourth thing they do is they raise their right arm. Cut their palms or cut their wrists. And bring them together. Through this act, their blood intermingle. And as they do, with the clasped hands, they swear allegiance to one another. Do you remember Esban? I don't know some of you. How much I now? How much I now? Promise. I Yeah. true or or mafra. Mafra. ne. No, no, you go. No, no, you go. No, 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 you go. No, I won't say that. I'm not going to finish it. I'm just saying this part, but I'm just reminding you. At least you remember. You came alive when I said that. There you are. You came alive. Then one say peace. Then some of them will say, You remember? You remember? Yeah, you go. What about poo? This is where it comes from. We spit on the hand because they used to have blood on the hand. We shake hands on it. They do it. Multinational companies, presidents, they sign. Next thing, they shake hands for CNN. Blood covenant. (laughs) 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 Jinping, maybe (laughs) Utho. (laughs) Trump. They're going to be doing it. So it's a blood covenant soon. Do you remember sometimes we used to prick our fingers and bring them? Some of you, TV too much. Why did we do that? Well, it's before the diseases we're reading about today. But we, 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 <laughs> we used to do some of that. In other words, as the blood intermingles, we believe that our lives are intermingling and becoming one life. This is carried in marriage. They said the two shall become one. One flesh. This is because our blood is our life and to intermingle blood is to intermingle life. So watch this now. We are putting off the old nature. If any man be what? He's a what? What has happened? It's all over the Bible. So we are putting off the old nature, putting on the new nature of our blood covenant partner. We too are becoming one. So it shows that the two lives are becoming one. Then the fifth thing that would happen, you love this one, is the exchange of names. So as we stand there, with our blood intermingling, we exchange names. So in exchanging of the names, you take part of the person's name or you take their last name as part of your name. It's unfortunate, is the lady's bank and the last name Sarona. But rightfully, we should also take their... their, their. Sometimes even if you don't take... now I want to show you something you may not know. Sometimes, even if you don't take the whole name, you take certain alphabets or certain sounds. Abram, 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 Abram. Abram. Makes a covenant with God, becomes Abraham. The ha comes from Yahweh. Abraham comes from Yahweh. So he takes on the name of God. So God changes him to Abraham. We are in covenant. Oh, it's all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible. It's about covenant. So maybe I must take on wife's name. Maybe I must take off. (laughs) I must take the same name and have another same name. So we exchange names. The sixth thing that would happen is they would make a scar. They'd make a scar on their wrist and they would rub. They would rub something in that scar that would remain there permanently as a testimony. So this scar will be a witness to the covenant that has been made. And this scar will always be there. When God dealt with Moses, he said, I'm going to make a covenant with the children of Israel. The males must circumcise. God have a scar permanently on their body. So the scar is to remind us of our covenant responsibilities to each other. Now watch this, Pastor A story is told of some missionaries who came over to Africa and learned very quickly as they traveled from one place to the other that they needed to make sure they make covenants with the different tribes. A man by the name of Stanley came. He was looking for one missionary and he was quickly made aware that if you're going to make it through the continent, you're going to have to cut covenants. He didn't think it would be a, a good thing to do. His name was Henry Stanley. But we are told that as he crossed, he made so many covenants and had a scar on him. Several scars on him. And anytime he came into any new tribe, he would just raise his hand. And when people saw the scar, they knew to stay away. So the wearing of a physical sign on our body, either a tattoo a ring, earrings, anything, it's a sign. So when you have a ring on your finger, it's a permanent feature that says I'm in covenant with somebody. Are you there, Bazalan? Yes. Are you there, Bazalan? Yes. Number seven. Is it number seven now? Yes. Then they would give covenant terms. In other words, I terms and conditions. Covenant and in the giving of terms and conditions, they call witnesses. And in, in front of witnesses, they say, All my assets are yours, all my money is yours, all my property is yours, all my possessions are yours. If you need any of them, you don't even have to ask, just come and get it. Isn't that wonderful? What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. Not what's yours is mine. What's mine is mine. (laughs) What's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. Watch. If I die, all my children are yours by adoption. And you're responsible for my family. But at the same time, you also get all my liabilities. Liabilities. If I ever get into trouble financially, I don't come to ask for money. I just come to you and say, where's your checkbook? Where's your credit card? <laughs> we are in covenant. Now, have you ever read Deuteronomy 28? All these blessings shall come upon you and all these curses shall come upon you. So when they, when they, when they speak of the terms and conditions, They spell out the blessing of keeping the covenant and the curses of not keeping the covenant. So they would stand there and read it before witnesses, all the lists of assets, liabilities, plus the terms and the conditions, and you were held to it. (laughs) But like a like a Then then the eighth the thing is then they would eat a memorial meal. A memorial meal is there to complete the covenant union. So in the place of the animal and the blood, they would eat the bread and the wine. That's where communion comes from. Communion is a covenant meal. Wine, we call it the blood of Jesus. Let's, let's, drink, let's drink the blood. <laughs> I love him. I always laugh at him and its says, him let's, let's drink the blood. And I'm thinking, But then when it comes to the bread, it doesn't say, Let's eat the flesh. He says, let's, let's, let's eat the bread. <laughs> so, the, the, the grape juice represents the blood, the bread represents our body. So, what they would do is this, Pastor Anna, watch this. They would take a loaf of bread, break it into two, and feed it to each other. Do you remember why we do this at the wedding? I was saying to you, we, we have traces of blood all over the place. So in you eating the bread, it symbolizes the body. My body that I am now putting into you. We serve each other the wine, and we are symbolizing. I say now, my life now is in your blood. So now symbolically, I am in you and you are in me. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's in us, but we're also in him. It's covenant talk. We are now together with a new nature. Some of you will understand who you are. Then number nine, and in conclusion, they will plant a memorial. Because you have to leave the memorial of, to the covenant. We want to always remember, to do this, they would plant a tree which they have sprinkled with the blood of the animal. Watch this now. There's a certain kind of tree that they planted which tree, by the way, used to grows very slowly. So when they planted this tree, the ones who are cutting covenant are not expecting to reap the fruit of it. They are planting it for generations to come. That's why today, we don't know why. <laughs> in other words, we are saying all our children and our children's children, we want them to remember that we are in covenant. Even if they were not born yet, we are making the covenant on their behalf. You know what the good thing is this? All this points back to Christ. The tree covered in blood was planted and Jesus hung on the tree and blood flowed on that tree and he was making a covenant with you and with me. And that is why when he died, he said it is finished. Covenant is signed and sealed in my blood. And so, as we continue tomorrow, I'm going to go through several examples in the Bible where blood covenant was done. You'll get more clarity. And then on Wednesday, I want to talk about The threshold covenant. Where you'll start to see what the threshold covenant means and how all of these things also point back to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, Bazalana, the minute you start understanding covenant, your relationship with God will be different. I'm telling you. Because when you pray... You'll know that it's not based on your feelings. It's not based on your emotions. It's not based on anything else. It's based on the irrevocable, unchangeable (laughs) covenant that God has made with you. Now, let me end with this one. In Genesis 15, which we'll read at home, God was trying to set up a way in which he can make covenant with mankind. So he, he talks to Abram. This covenant is meant to be permanent. Marahona le problem. God will not change but mankind you can't trust. It was allowed by the way in those days for someone to stand in proxy for you in making covenant. Go read it at home. So God wants to make covenant with Abram. But that covenant God's making with Abram is meant to set a precedence for mankind. But God knows the fickleness of human beings. God knows he won't change, but... And deco show about men. So what happens? After Abram splits the animals and lays the pieces opposite each other, then God makes him sleep. And a cloud and a light come and pass between the two pieces. God the Father, God the Son are making the covenant. One is standing proxy for Abram because God doesn't want this covenant to fail at all. And this is the same thing with the covenant that was count on the cross of Calvary. It was Jesus Christ standing in place for mankind. Making the covenant with God because God doesn't want the covenant to fail at all. When you take that word and you believe that word, and you confront that word, and you pray that word, and you act on that word, and you speak that word, and you apply that word. When you take that word and surround your life with that word, when you take that word and make it a part of your life, when you take that word and you apply it in your life, God looks from heaven and he says, I've got to do what I said. Because I'm a God who cannot lie. I'm a God who cannot lie. And that Bible you have in your hand. Every word in it. Every promise in it. It's a covenant that's based. On God and God. And it cannot lie. And for that reason God says. Put me in remembrance. Of my word. He said, so shall my word be. It shall not return unto you void. But it will prosper in the thing that I have sent it. As the rain comes down from heaven, so shall my word be. It will prosper in the thing where unto I have sent it. It will be able to do what I tell it to do. And Paul writes in the book of Hebrews, he said, in times past, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in these days has he spoken to us through his son who is the brightness of his glory. The express image of his person who upholds all things by the word of his power. When you understand this, then you understand why God's word will never fall to the ground. In fact, the Bible says when God was speaking to Abraham and speaking to the people of old, reading in the book of Hebrews, it says, and God finding nothing else by which to swear, God swore by Himself. So, of a truth, I'll make it. So when we believe that word, and we believe it will say and it will do what God said, it's not a figment of our imagination. If people of old could keep a covenant that was made between men and men, if their families could hunt them down and kill them, if they didn't do that covenant, can you imagine a God who's always true and who's always faithful? What he will do when we learn to rely on his word. And so Father, our prayer is that we will learn to rely on the word. Can you pray in the Holy Ghost for a while and thank God for his word? Thank you for your word today. We want to rely on it. We want to depend on it. We want to stand on it. Thank you for your word. It's the entrance of your word that brings light. Gives understanding to the simple. Bless your name. Pray the Holy Ghost for a while. Thank you, Jesus.